Welcome to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast with your host, award-winning realtor, Matt Glenn, and top producing mortgage broker, Taylor Atkinson. Professionals in the industry, enthusiastic entrepreneurs, and successful investors. When it comes to real estate, we're all in. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. So year two, the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny recording these intros because like, we're recording in the future, but then uh, we feel like some of the information is not relevant, I guess. Yeah. But CPI, like inflation came out, it's stagnant, yeah. 1.1, it's not really moving. It's kind of a good sign. Like it's, It was a good sign, except for it said that the grocery inflation has come down quite a bit, but our inflation is still high. Does that freak me out? Should I be freaked out about that? <laughs> I don't know. It depends how much you eat. <laughs> <laughs> It's a New Year's resolution, man. So I'm eating nothing but ice cubes for all the month of January. Okay. I'm going to read you a quote off somebody's post on LinkedIn. Okay. And if you guess it right, who wrote it, I'll give you a candy cane on the way out. Oh my God. Quick take on November CPI. Boring headline, but pretty exciting details. The three-month trend in the Bank of Canada's preferred measure of inflation are at 2.6 or less, while CPI excluding shelter, which you can argue the Bank of Canada should look past since they're controlling rates, is at 1.9% compared to last year. If these trends continue, we are set for rate cuts mid-2024 and an outcome bond markets are already anticipating. Hence, the rate drops in bond yields and the five-year fixed mortgage rates on average are at 5.75%. So do you have any idea who that is? Brendan Ogmanson. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, we had him on the podcast. Man, if you guys aren't following him on LinkedIn, he's an awesome guy. Yeah. To summarize, I'm looking at his chart now. Projection is rate cuts in the spring. Matt and I don't want to be those guys on the show that are like hyping up the market. If anything, that would be bad for me because I make more money buying real estate than I do doing <laughs> mortgages. <laughs> but uh, Well, that's the funny thing about real estate is owning it is the most. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to say time the market, but I do have some clients that are like, Hey, I want to start buying now because I see rates are getting cut. I see where it's going and we may have like a good opportunity in the next six months. And somebody said the other day, like it's easy to make money when the market's going up, but you make the most money when the market's down. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard to say exactly where we are in the market in the cycle because you know, generally cycles were kind of that seven year pattern, but there was a huge bull in the last 10 years. So it's hard to say exactly where we are. And there's usually these little peaks and valleys on the top and the lower part of the cycle. So is there going to be another dip? Like what are your projections for 2024? So 2023 was interesting. Like for Kelowna, the market followed what the seasonal market does. Yeah. I don't know if it was because of the seasons or just because of what was happening externally that just affected the market in a seasonally way here. Kind of interesting how that worked out. But this winter has so far been very slow. I think it's the slowest in over 20 years. So this has been a very slow market. Interest rates are going to start coming down in the new year. I've heard spring, summer, fall. I don't know when, but I think it's going to be in the new year. How much are they going to cut? Like bank account of variable rate? Uh, I don't know. Point and a half. Yeah. Probably. And that's by the end of the year. So they're obviously not going to do that in one cut. I don't know. I made this joke in the, our office the other day that there's a lot of buyers out there and it just seems like 
everybody on the sidelines waiting for the prices to go up before they start buying. Yeah. It's funny, but it's true. That is when people buy. Yeah. But then that also in turn drives prices up. Yeah. Right. More people trying to buy more offers. Yeah. I think it's going to be a slower winter. I think January and February are going to be pretty slow, but I think we're going to come back. It's not going to be like 2021, boom, obviously, but it's going to be just a normal market, I think is what everyone wants. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty balanced in Kelowna because it's the approval amount in terms of mortgages. Like People can only afford so much. So obviously when rates come down, your purchase price can go up because we can approve you for that. But we're in that area where like your income to debt are already like at the max, you know, where four or five years ago, people could overspend and still have room on their TDS ratios. Now it's like everyone's maxed out. So I don't think there's going to be a huge boom, but yeah, I agree. I think in the spring, we're going to see a small rate cut to start, maybe a quarter point, and then maybe another one. And it's going to take 12 months to kind of get to that percent and a half cut on the variable fixed have already come down substantially. We are seeing products sub 5%, which is hilarious to think about it. You know, you say sub five and everyone's like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and awesome. a year and a half ago, people were like <laughs> over 4%. You're talking mortgage rate at 4%. Yeah. Jesus. yeah. So I do I agree with you. I think rate cuts in the spring, it'll be a 12 month window. The market's going to pick back up naturally because of the spring. I mean, it happened last spring. Like you said, it was seasonable, but the American banking system, having that small crash kind of reduced our bond market and that in turn gave cheaper fixed rates. And so it was kind of a weird combination. So it's hard to tell exactly what really gave the bump in the market in the spring. But yeah, I feel it's a good time to buy. What about all the people? Because there's a lot of talk about all these fixed rate mortgages coming up for renewal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like that could hold the market down. But like, what about those people knowing that they're going to have to pay more interest anyway, like their interest rates going up on their mortgage. Like, will there be some of them that just take the opportunity to just move at that point? So it's a good question. And this is what I was talking about in the cycle. You have those little peaks and valleys. And a lot of times, you know, at the bottom of the cycle, there's like a little bit of a comeback and then it dips again and then it finally comes out. So it's hard to say whether we had that previously in the spring because of the bond market or we're just having it now. And when those renewals come in, people kind of get crushed again. And there are people, you know, suggesting that we are not at the bottom. And when those renewals happen, there's going to be a lot of pain. A lot of those people, though, have been saying we would be in a recession right now. Yeah. I mean, optimistically thinking, I feel that those people that are having a renewal in 2024, 2025, 2026, they are probably in a around a 2% rate on a five-year fix right now. They've had the cheapest mortgage payments historically. And yeah, I know the cost of living has gone up, but they've probably also made more money with employment, you know, like trades have gone up, like everything, there is inflation. So you have seen a raise, you have seen over the past five years appreciation in your house. So I think, yeah, there may be budgeting issue. However, there's going to be a lot of equity in that house that they can fall back on if they need to. You could stretch out the amortization, refinance, et cetera. And if you're forced to sell, unfortunately, I don't think you're going to sell and like lose your shirt. I think there's going to be enough equity. I have a property, West Kelowna, five-year fix is coming up in the fall, 2024. What? I haven't seen your application. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Our interest rate is like 3.2%. 
Yeah. So we're talking now about fixed rates in the fours that you just said. So like if it comes down to point and a half, what is my interest rate? It's going to be what point higher by the fall, maybe less than that. We also, like you just said this, we bought that house for 700,000. It's worth at least 1.2 right now. Right. So we only owe 400 and yeah, 90,000 on that thing or something. So we are in that group that everyone's talking about is going to get hammered and we are just not going to get hammered. Like it's just not, it's almost not going to even affect us. Yeah. It's kind of funny to focus on that because I think the people that are feeling the pain the most are people that bought maybe two years ago when it was like more or less the peak of the market and they're in a variable rate product. Yeah. And if those people are surviving right now and rates are expected to drop if you can weather that storm they're gonna be okay but the people that are renewing next year i would say the option is and i have clients right now like we're saying go with a variable for this next year and when rates come down a little bit more on the fix you find something you're comfortable with then you can lock back into a fix at four percent or whatever it's going to land at and that's how you control your budget so yeah i i don't know optimistically i feel like if you can afford to buy in the next six months, now is a great time. At the end of the day, you got to think real estate is not like a stock, right? Unless you're flipping houses, like it's a long term. Yeah. Like you should buy the house knowing that you're going to have it for like at least three years, at least, but like realistically 10 years or so. And at that point, you're not going to lose money in 10 years, as long as you can service it for that 10 years to get to the long term appreciation. Yeah. Right. I think where people get hammered is when they can't. Right. And so that's a variable. And this is another reason why I just don't think the market's going to come out. I think the, a lot of the people have been on variables already. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like if those people are fire selling, people like me who have another house coming up for renewal in the five years, like my house is the house they're talking about. Well, th you've got both, right? You're in a variable on your... Yeah, I'm getting hammered <laughs> both ways. And honestly, we are. Yeah. And we're not fire selling. It's just not that way. Yeah. Right? We have equity in both houses. I just feel like there are going to be some people that are squeezed. There's no doubt about it. I've seen a little bit in my business and the market, but I just don't think there's enough to tank the market. Yeah. So there's two parts of it. I think certain asset classes too, right? I think over maybe 800,000 single family homes, those are going to be great. Those are going to be a seller's market. They're going to appreciate anything less specifically condos. There's a ton of condos being built, government legislation with Airbnb, Airbnb thing, yeah. a lot of restrictions coming out, just taxes. Like they are trying to hammer that affordability quote unquote market. And so I think you might see some softening there for the next 12 months still, mostly because yeah. investors that have those are continuously losing money. You could probably deploy money elsewhere a little bit better. So I think there might be some softening in that sub 800,000 market. Above that though, as soon as you get into those million dollar single family houses, I think that's really gonna take off in the spring. So those are the predictions from- uh... That's interesting about the condos because I have seen the slow. It's funny because we need more houses in Kelowna, but they seem to all be coming in the form of high rises, yeah. right? Like all of our units. So like there is kind of a glut, even though we have a housing shortage, it's almost like people want houses. So people live in Kelowna want a single family house. So yeah, I mean, I spoke a little bit with Shane Styles and when Taylor Musso was on and like yeah. people that are working with those developers and they're like, we have thousands of condo units coming on in the next few years. Like that is not the issue. Like we're supplying affordable housing and rental properties. It's the single family houses that there's a shortage of. Land is scarce and the cost to build a single family house is outrageous. You're not going to build a single family house cheaper than you can buy one right now. So yeah. developers are not going to go build a house 
and make a three, four, 5% spread, like they're just going to hold on to their money or developers are going to build condos where they can get a better spread. So interesting. Yeah. Speaking about our guest today, Gilles Lesage from Total Home Solutions. So Home Energy, Greener Home Grant, we kind of talk about all the ins and outs about- Step what, codes. Yeah. Step codes in BC, in Kelowna, West Kelowna. Yep. Great guest. Obviously knows these products inside and out. Like this is his business. So reach out to him if you want to talk about that. Matt, you want to talk about- Yeah. So since we talked, my house in McKinley- there is no natural gas that comes to our neighborhood. Really? Yeah, there's no natural gas. Crazy. I know. We're living <laughs> in the plebes here. Just kidding. It's an awesome neighborhood. But there's no natural gas. So I, at my house, I have an electric heat pump already. And then just right after this episode, Becky and I, we bought a Tesla. So we now we have a Tesla, electric car, and I went, got an electrician to come put it at home charger in. And I'm looking at my panel. My electrician's asked me about the panel and like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Come over and take a look. So we're looking and I have a 200 amp service and I have a 115 amp heat pump and I have a sub panel of 100 amps, which is not totally full, but my house is kind of maxed, right? A 200 amp service. So like I'm going to need, he put in a 30 amp car charger. It works perfect. It takes like four hours or five hours to charge the Tesla. It's legit for us every three days or something. And since I've got the Tesla, I have not put any gas in the Jag. I thought you were going to say put any gas in the Tesla. I'm like, yeah, no, no, so that's it's, not honestly, it's going to save us a lot of money that way. Like I spent a lot of money on gas. I have listings all over the Okanagan. As I was doing this, I was like, this is wicked for us, but to do this on scale. And then we, the federal government came out and said that we want to have all cars in Canada by 2035 electric. I'm like, Okay, but can we have every house in our neighborhood on a heat pump and electric car charger? There's some infrastructure issues. Yeah, if you want to be a power sure. lineman, get in there now because like you have to do a lot of infrastructure for this. Yeah. And like public, but also personal. And to be honest, it's not affordable in the sense like, well, so we upgraded our boiler system at the building in Vernon. Yeah. You know, I was looking at electrifying it. So putting in electric heat pumps, it was like, two to two and a half times the cost and it was already a very expensive upgrade so and electricity is not cheap like gas is still pretty affordable right now like natural like, gas yeah so that that may switch obviously the government's going to kind of push that direction but yeah i agree I think their horizon has to be longer or like some serious work and planning has to go in right right now because yeah, yeah it's honestly like it's going to save us a lot of money having the tesla and like obviously heat pumps worked out well for us and we never really knew what the difference was on a day-to-day -day basis for us but like i did the budget i'm spending over a thousand dollars a month on gas in my car it takes premium and i'm driving all over the place so it's a little higher than average but like the tesla's gonna cost me 100 bucks 150 bucks a month so yeah. like it's really not and they're super cheap right <laughs> well, it was 70,000, 70,000. I'm, I'm just pulling you like, I feel like at the start of this intro, you know, people were empathetic. He's like, oh my God, this guy's got a house. His fixed rate's coming and then he's got a variable and then he's got a Jag and a Tesla. <laughs> nah, you lost the votes, man. Yeah, But it was economical because like yeah. we have a son, we had no SUV. We needed a bigger car. So we needed something that we could fit our dogs in and our son. Like we could not all go in one car yeah. because we just had two little cars. So now we have one. When you do the budgeting, it just makes sense because of how much money we spend in fuel. Question about the Tesla yeah. and dogs. Is there a mode in the summer for air conditioning? You can just leave it running? Yeah. Like, well, not running, but like it basically. You can put it on dog, dog mode. It keeps it, uh, that is super like, cool. There's so many cool things about it. So like Becca was out driving and I was just playing on the app. And I'm like, the stereo is here. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what's happening if I crank the music. <laughs> 
crank the music. I get a call like two minutes later. I was like, what the fuck just happened? The music. Turn it down. Guy, Julian's in the back. Almost drove off the road. Yeah. It was like, holy shit. I'm, I can control the music from my app. Yeah. Like it's kind of like just a tip. Well, I found the dog mode pretty cool because I think it was just last year, maybe year before yeah. Kelowna came out with that law. Like you can't idle for more than 30 seconds, I think yeah. in town. Yeah. Yeah. But Anyways, bit sidetracked. So we think 2024 is going to be a great year. We've, I think it's going to be like a steady eddy, awesome year. That's yeah. what I think it's going to yeah. be. And then in terms of, you know, greener home efficiency, step code, this is all stuff that people need to be aware of because that's just kind of the direction that the government's pushing it. And this will help it. us with our infrastructure because if we bring down less use of electricity everywhere, be more able to handle all the heat pumps and Teslas on the road, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, give it a listen, reach out to Jill. Yeah, he's a great guy. And yeah, if you're looking at doing any upgrades to your house, windows, insulation, et cetera, heat pumps, yeah, there's some pretty good incentives that were out there. I think the government's actually taken away some of them for like the natural gas stuff and switching just to electrification. So yeah, get on top of it if you want to save a bit of money. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah, Happy New Year. Okay, welcome to the show, Jill. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. How we like to kind of start our show is just tell us what your perfect Friday looks like and you enjoy doing going into the weekend. Yeah, you know what? My work is, uh, I love it. It's great. It's diverse. It varies all the time. And I mean, you know, it's a variety of site visits and sitting at a laptop, figuring things out. Basically, it's all about testing homes, verifying homes, making sure that they're reaching certain targets. And it's all having to do with energy efficiency pretty well. So we go from concept to boots on the ground on site during an entire project and see it through and make sure that we're helping our clients reach the certain targets, which are now actually part of our building code. Like BC building, but every municipality is different. That's That's exactly right. And are you focused primarily Kelowna or you do Lake Country, West Kelowna, kind of all over? A little bit everywhere. Yeah, we work with developers from Seashelt, Vancouver, Chilliwack, a little bit less out that way now because, you know, with what's been happening with the codes, there has been a lot more people taking up the profession, which is great. So there's more people out there, so yep. more local people. So it's been fantastic that way. But yeah, Chilliwack to Rubblestoke to Soyuz to the West Cooties. And, cool. Yeah. And so your original career started as a home inspector. What's your title now, I guess? Energy advisor would be the actual official title. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, we're working on even branching that out. There's a lot of professional designations that we're looking for. We have an association that's just started, you know, as part of the growing world of what we do as a profession, there was really no association. There's no kind of backing towards that. So that's in the works. It's really gaining ground very, very quickly across the country. Yeah. But before it was basically as a home inspector, Started back in Winnipeg back in 2004, got to see a lot of very old houses there and then got into the energy evaluations in Winnipeg as well. Okay. Then moved to new homes, moved here in 2011 in beautiful Kelowna and just chugged away doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Cool. Nice. So is that, it must be way easier to build a more energy efficient home than it is to upgrade one or? Yes, it is. When you have a clean slate, it is something that you can just make decisions right from the design stage. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you could choose your insulation quite quickly when it's not even <laughs> yeah. just yet. Yeah. The retrofit, you know, industry, it's not a challenge. It's just another approach. We're seeing a bigger trend now for people to actually do a deep energy retrofit, which just means in essence that they're going to take their house somewhat, open it up and almost start, not fresh, but yep. the shell of the building. Yeah. So a lot of that's going on right now. And that, you know, with 
huge success, but it is tough. You know, you can replace windows, you can insulate your attic space, but when it comes to outside walls, it's tough unless you're taking off siding. Like it just gets more into the weeds of it for sure. Yeah. I mean, full disclosure, you're here today to finish off a greener home grant, but (laughs) I've even noticed this like recently we're pulling apart a bathroom to do a final renovation on that too. And like the poly, like the poly on these older houses is essentially non-existent. Like it's so thin. It's not acoustic sealed anywhere. Like the vapor barrier is just, it's not there. So unless you're like completely to rip this thing apart, like you just can't really get that air tightness that you guys are looking for on the new builds. Exactly right. But I guess before we dive into like the new builds and step codes and stuff, maybe just do a real quick kind of summary on the Greener Home Grant. This was brought out, I think it was three or four years ago. Yeah, it was in May, 2021. Okay. Yeah. And it's essentially, we contract someone like yourself to do a pre-assessment. You guys give a list of potential upgrades and the impact that those upgrades would have. The homeowner would carry them out and then you come to do like a final assessment. And then that kind of goes back. <laughs> this is a question because I have no idea how this works. I've been doing this for two and a half years doing this green at home thing, but essentially it gets sent off to the government and then they decide how much of a rebate you would get in terms of how efficient your upgrades have become? Pretty well, yeah. That's most of it in a nutshell. Okay. There's the necessity to have an energy advisor come in and do the pre-retrofit evaluation. That kind of benchmarks where the home is at right now. You know, don't do any work before that's done because you will be able to include it. Right. So that's the one thing. Then yes, you do get a nice report, the input from the energy advisor and their recommendations as to, you know, what gives you your biggest bang for your buck. You know, what's going to save you the most amount of money. I would do this first, the second, this third. Because that's for me, every time I do a house like that, I kind of think, well, if this is my house, what would I do? Yeah. You know, can kind of portray that in the report and give a homeowner, you know, a proper kind of guidance on that. All the homes different in that respect? Or is it usually like attic insulation is 100% game changer or like best bang for your buck? Are you seeing something consistent? Oh, you know what? It changes every single house because no matter what you're walking into, you know, the house might have been renovated at some point or an addition put on. But the rest of the house could still be your 1969, you know, split level with original windows, so on and so forth. So everything is different. So that's the approach is that we really want to make sure that we have a customized somewhat of a, not a punch list or laundry list or, you know, just a recommendation list for that particular house. But the impacts can be slightly different than what homeowners initially think. You know, like windows, for example, is something that homeowners think, oh, well, that's my biggest energy loss. Yeah. But once someone like myself or an energy advisor can go through that and say, well, by the way, your attic is this and your basement walls are uninsulated, yeah. which would be in fact the biggest heat loss right there. The basement walls. Yeah, insulated basements. Absolutely. Damn it. I mean, I did that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Not to hold you to this, but how do you feel about the program in general? Well, it's it, been great. I mean, yeah. the biggest thing about the greener homes is that they are offering Canadians the chance to, you know, not only with incentives, but now the CMHC interest-free loan as well. That's kind yeah. of tied in with the whole system. And that's a $40,000 loan? That's right. Yeah, okay. That's the one. So the whole point is to, you know, help reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So with that said, there's a lot of heat pump technology that's available. And, you know, and the incentives, you know, they cap off at $5,000, but that's a really good kind of dent into a $14,000 heat pump that you might want to put yeah. in. And solar panels that are also part of that program. And that's been extremely popular with a lot of homeowners. Okay. You know, there's a lot of talk about our electric grid, you know, and the future of more electric vehicles on the road and things yep. like that. So that's kind of tying in quite nicely with the transition that we're going through. 
And what about like hot water tanks and stuff like that? Yeah, hot water tanks too. Again, all electric. It's really yeah. greenhouse gas based. So, you know, there are no gas furnace or gas hot water incentives through the greener homes. Yeah, okay. So that's one thing. But the other side of the coin is that, you know, not only is it the greener homes program, but there's also local forest BC, BC Hydro or clean BC programs yeah. that you also can kind of dip into at the same time. So... Yeah. I remember a few years ago, I got a grant. My last house, I insulated the crawl space. I got a, quite a bit of money back for that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Fortis has been pretty good. They had one recently and it's still available. Fireplace maintenance, hot water tank maintenance, furnace maintenance. Like you can get a couple hundred bucks back. Like they are pretty good at, you know, proactively marketing that. Yeah. Absolutely. And they do have the same kind of upgrades as Greener Homes does. You yeah. know, there's your heating, hot water, insulation levels air tightness as well. There's incentives for that. There's windows, doors, the solar PV systems. They've even got some incentives for some of the northern communities, you know, that are off grid. So yeah. it's really tailored. And then Fortis and Clean BC and BC Hydro have some of the similar, you know, windows and doors again, insulation, gas furnaces, heat pumps, and so on and so forth. So it's really worth checking into. There's a lot of information out there online to research and you know, then with the help, of course, your energy advisor can kind of help you guide. Are you allowed to double dip? You are. Nice. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, Matt's all about that. Eh? Wow. <laughs> you know. Double dipper. Yeah. If somebody finds it overwhelming, like the application process or finding all these grants, is there a company that takes it like for them and says, hey, we'll just, we'll deal with the application. And like, cause you provide kind of the high level, this is what you should do. But to go through some of the programs online, like it can be a bit overwhelming, eh? It can be. Yeah, there is a direction available, Clean BC, which is the website is betterhomesbc.ca. They've actually got a hotline on there that okay. kind of helps people navigate through all the programs available. But when it comes to the actual enrollments online for the federal program, there's a portal that you have to enroll through. Then the homeowner has their side of the portal and the energy evaluator or service organization will have their side of the portal. Can't really see what's going on. So some homeowners are stuck and can't go forward with their enrollment, yeah. but we can't really help with that. So that kind of can be a little tricky in that sense. Yeah. What about things like tree placement and like zero scaping and stuff like that? Do you deal with that at all or? Not necessarily. That's actually outside of the scope of our energy modeling. It is because you really need to consider some form of a yeah. default sort of situation, right? So yes. no matter where the house is, you know, shading is really not consider unless it's over a window like part of your overhang okay yeah but, yeah you know mountains and trees and such not so much in there to say that too like it has to stay consistent because it's a measuring program yeah yeah, yeah. you got to judge everybody by the same Even thing so family living in this house that we're evaluating is two adults and one child using a certain amount of hot water every day a certain amount of right electronics every day so that's a standard When's the end date? Do they have a proposed end date for greener homes? That was Earth or? <laughs> 27. Okay. Yeah. So there's still quite a few years yeah, left. Like a seven year plan is what they were initially okay. talking about back in May. May 27th of, I think it was 2021. I know well because 9 a.m. they announced the program. And you got flooded with. And it did just explode. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Well, yeah. So if anyone's listening, follow up with you and. But where you kind of really, I guess, specialize or maybe more of your passion is working on the larger scale of new builds, developments, like multifamily, commercial space as well falls in this? or Not no? so much commercial. Really? It's okay. what we call apartment 
building. Okay. You got part nine, which is residential, and that part is the building code language. And part three is like the larger, you know, apartment blocks and such. Okay. We do dabble a little bit in that, but not so much for the energy modeling side. Okay. So you're working with construction, new build developers. By 2032, we're supposed to be step code five. Is that BC or all across Canada? That's supposed to be BC. Okay. Yeah. Are we going to get there? Are they going to change the field goal at some point, or do you think it's possible? Like It's absolutely possible. Anything is possible to a certain extent. It is very much reliant on the design of the house. That's the one thing. A simpler square box design. I don't want to equate it to a square box, but a simpler yeah. shape of a home. You know, not too much glass, too much corners and intersections and all that kind of stuff really does help with an easier target reached. But I mean, we're the Okanagan. There's a lot of beautifully designed homes here. And, you know, we try and work with that and sometimes it takes a bit more. So, you know, you might wind up with, you know, triple pane windows, extra insulation on the outside of the house, air tightness as well, yeah. like a very well sealed home. So everything is different. But what's interesting with that is that that's for BC. There's also nationally what's called the tiered code. We call it step code here. There's a national <laughs> tiered code. Again, steps one, two, three, four, five. They have tier one, two, three, four, five. Same thing. They're a little different between the two, but BC is starting to harmonize with that a little bit more because that's okay. coming down nationally. So we're seeing a huge movement of moving towards better building targets. So what, we're in step code three in Kelowna right now? West Kelowna, I feel, is not there yet. Or did you know they... what? As of May 1st of this year, the whole province, no matter oh, okay. what step you were at, you know, weren't even involved with step code or didn't feel that you wanted to at the time. May 1st, everybody was on step three. Yeah. And did you find when this first came out, were builders pushing back and saying, no, we don't want to do this? Or was it a mixed bag or was everyone on board? Yeah. You know what? That's an excellent question. It was a little bit of everything. There was definitely some pushback. I mean, change is hard. Yeah. And the first kind of rumors that came out of me, oh, we have to follow this new step code. We're going to have to spend about a hundred grand more, 50 grand more in our houses now. Not necessarily the truth at all. So that kind of came in first. So of course, pushback is kind of a natural thing. I think over a little bit amount of time, you know, after showing builders with, you know, a sample project or one of the current projects, you know, actually you're already in step three. That changed the thing. And a lot of our builders and developers are actually saying, you know, this is coming up. I want to get on it right now. I don't want to be stuck on my heels. So that was also good. Good keeners out there that really were early adopters. Yeah, so maybe it kind of weeded out some of the shadier builders. I'm putting weeds in your mouth. <laughs> well, in terms of a cost, is there a rough estimate? Say you're building a house that's a million dollars. Is it now 1.1 to get to step code five? I mean, obviously it's very you know dependent on the house, but generically, if you were to guess, what's the end user going to be stuck with on the bill? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. I mean, step five is still something that we have been modeling towards. It's not quite the go-to step right now. You know, we've been at step three. We have a lot of builders that are going for the step four levels as a standard, and they're buying for step five. But the actual cost of the upgrade package, for example, if you will, it does change for every single house. So again, a simpler build, basically going to be your upgrade from a dual pane window to a triple. It might be having to add three inches of rigid insulation on your outside of your wall, plus your framing and your insulation on the inside of the wall. Heat pumps, that technology is really almost necessary for the higher steps, yeah. as opposed to just a, a basic gas furnace and air conditioning, for example. What about something like geothermal? Helps tremendously, absolutely. Better than a heat pump? 
Well, heat pumps and geothermal, they basically run on the same science in a way. They're extracting okay. heat out of the outside air, no matter how cold it is. Yep. It can still extract heat somehow, some way, because it's a refrigerant. Yep. And it works at a different temperature level, for example. It's just like your air conditioner yep. that can grab the cold from the outside, 30 degree air, yep. and bring it inside your home. It works very rudimentally in reverse and does the same thing on the other side. So geothermal does the same thing with ground loops yep. and ground temperatures, whereas an air source heat pump works with air temperatures. But their efficiencies are in the same neighborhood. The geothermal systems are slightly more efficient, absolutely. Interesting. Okay. So step code five is net zero. It's either going to produce more energy than it's consuming or it's going to be zero. Very good question. We've been trying to kind of straighten that out with the language a little bit. Net zero, I feel, has really become a bit of a loose term. Like if you call, this is a green home energy efficient green. Even the term green came quite loose after a yeah. while, like used everywhere. So what is green? We don't even know yet anymore. But the term net zero, it does have a definition. I should back up a little bit. Even net zero ready is also in there. So you've got a home that, you know, has renewables on it, probably solar panels and a feasible area to install them on either on the ground or on the roof itself. So as long as that home can produce as much energy as it's consuming, then that's considered a net zero home. So how do we get there? You have a better building envelope, you have more insulation, you've got better heating systems, heat pump technology, and you can get there. Some homes need a bit more of that or a bit less of that to get to that net zero level. Now the net zero ready portion of that is that same house, but the hardware, the solar panels are just not installed on it yet. Right. So it's ready for it. That's basically it. So what we've been finding is that a net zero home that could be actually modeled as net zero can be a really good step three home, step four, then Naturally, of course, step five, because you've really taken care of that envelope and the mechanicals inside that. So if somebody builds a house, step five, like it's net zero ready, and you know, this is 2032, but then by 2042, 10 years later, they want to, you know, add an addition and throw a pool in the back and a hot tub and all these things that are going to consume much more, like you're not at net zero anymore. Is that allowed once you alter it? Like once it's been approved, like obviously this is, 20 years in the future, but have they planned for that? You know, the talk right now is about, you know, from the build out stage. At that stage, this is what happens. Okay. You know, what can happen? I mean, if you have a heat pump in a house and five years down the road, that house sells to somebody else, somebody comes in, they don't like heat pumps for whatever reason, they switch back to a gas furnace, like, those kind of things was very yeah. nice. We had no clue. Yeah. How do you? Yeah. Well, even with, I guess if you have an older house, is there a cutoff where like a substantial addition renovation would then have to be approved to a certain step code? Not necessarily. You know, okay. for us, it's all about new construction right okay. now. That's the focus. Right now. It's actually talk about retrofits being part of our building code and that's in the works right now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And the other thing too, that's been happening quite a bit and it's actually gaining a lot of interest I just gave a seminar two days ago in Penticton for room builders. And the subject of embodied carbon is something that everyone's talking about, which is we all know that if you have a gas furnace and gas hot water, your operational carbon of running your home has a certain amount of greenhouse gas emissions and yep. carbon footprint. What about insulating or choosing products to build your house with? How much carbon yeah. Yeah. is in there? from the manufacturing, all that kind of stuff. So that is something else that we're working towards that might be even introduced in our regulation codes quite soon as well. Right, I believe this is the direction you're going. I'm gonna go there anyways. Like if we're talking, okay, we're trying to be net zero for the carbon footprint. Are some of these materials like a triple pane window or different insulation? Is that 
counteracting the proactiveness of removing some of that carbon gas by adding those other materials. Absolutely. You got to get down to calculating like what's more beneficial. Also interesting, like BC has something like 85% of our energy comes from hydroelectricity, like hydro dams. It's pretty clean. Yeah. So why is there a push to have such green when it's just the rivers running down there, like down the dam? You know, like we're well, not it's, burning it's, cold. It's a push cold. for electricity, right? They want to electrify. Is that kind of, yeah. Yeah. That's what the program's for is like switching out your gas furnace. For like two electricity, but then also more efficient. And I guess yeah. as the electric cars come on and stuff like that, more and more people will be sucking more electricity out of it. Oh, absolutely. And then once everyone's switched over, the government will charge you double for electricity and we're all screwed. <laughs> Well, we we do t- have solar panels. Or yeah. yeah. Well, we do talk a lot about affordability recently. Obviously, that's like yeah. a hot topic in real estate. I just Googled this. I'm sure the numbers are much different, but it was about a $48,000 on the average house in BC to get to a step code five was an additional $48,000 on a new build. I would assume it's much more than that. But if we're saying, you know, your utility bill for that house is going to be around 500 bucks a month, but now that's completely gone. That would pay for itself in about eight years. So not a bad investment. Like ROI on that's 10.48%. So really good return on investment. But then, you know, you're only making money essentially after that first eight year period, once you've kind of paid yourself back and then go another eight or 10 years in the future, you got to replace the windows and mechanical components anyways. It's just hard to tell whether it's really such a strong investment depending on where the cost is going, right? If carbon tax comes out and they're going to start charging more for gas, well then, yeah, it's better to go over to electricity. A small segue. So they came out a couple days ago with change in legislation, I guess, on the carbon tax. Government's kind of backed out from some of the eastern provinces or made exemptions, which is kind of interesting not to focus on that too much. But Do you see the government doing anything different in BC in terms of, okay, we are clean hydro. That's the direction we're going. That's the only kind of way forward. Like to me, natural gas seems to be still such a good resource. Absolutely. Good as in like cost effective. It's cheap. It's clean. It's accessible. It is convenient. Yeah. I always approach my work as being fuel agnostic because basically electricity and gas does have its connotations of, you know, People are strongly opinionated towards electrification and some are strongly opinionated towards natural gas. And that's just the world. I really do think there's room for everything, yeah. everything. Cause you know what? The systems right now, if we were to switch hundred percent to everyone on a heat pump with electric backup and everyone on an electric vehicle, you know, we're going to be straining the systems quite a bit. So. Well, and no one could barbecue. You yeah. switch into charcoal. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm natural gas all the way. Well, you can uh, get propane. Well, I think that's defeating the purpose. <laughs> We're sending you to Matt's house after yeah. this. You're gonna have- I have a heat pump, dude. Living yeah. in 2032. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've got a duckless split plus a furnace. What's your take on duckless splits? They're, yeah. Okay. They're convenient. Quiet. Yeah. For a house, you know, that has baseboard heat, for example, they're the perfect fit because you don't really have any ducting. You've added cooling to the house as well, which we really, really, really need here. Yeah. Obviously. So yeah, no, they are great. And the efficiencies are fantastic. Yeah. The thing about the heat pumps too is that the technology has changed dramatically over the past five years. Dramatically. You know, they used to run and heat your home to about zero degrees, maybe to minus five, if you're lucky. Like maybe your system might, might do that. Now we're talking about minus 25 without the need for any kind of backup heat. So 
Yeah, that was kind of my next question. Selfishly, Big White or some of these like remote locations, I know it's incredibly difficult to get gas into those units. So it's mostly baseboard heaters. How are we ever going to reach step code five up there when it's minus 23 months of the year with baseboard heaters and propane? So that's possible. Yeah, you know, they kind of run on variable refrigerants as well. So it's only using as much as it needs to do the job properly. And a lot of them do have a backup system that's integral that is modulating. So, you know, if it's too cold and it's having trouble doing the heat pump portion, the electric element comes in and gives it a little step up. Yeah. Yeah. So technology is really, really good. But yeah, for a place like Big White, absolutely. There's a lot of propane up there. Heat pumps can work up there. They absolutely can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is fairly ancient technology, really, when we're talking about the older stuff in terms of like a gas furnace, just the flame with a fan. And, you know, so we, yeah, we were expecting these things to get better at some stage. Yeah, absolutely. Even on that note too, I meant to mention this earlier on the natural gas side of things, you know, Ford's BC has been really working towards a technology of that renewable natural gas, oh. which I think if we could tap into that and make it something that's mainstream worthwhile, then you've got somewhat, again, the best of both worlds there too. What is a renewable yeah, natural Yeah, what's a renewable gas? natural gas? They're basically catching methane gas from areas like landfills. And right. And they've been working on this for a while. Well, not like Fortis, but globally. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. No, I mean... Because didn't they have a methane vehicle? Didn't they squash this idea a while ago? For their renewable natural gas? Yeah. They're still trying? Okay. They need more infrastructure, I think. It's available to homeowners to pay for it. And it's just a voluntary adoption pretty well. So you're paying a little bit more for it. But I think the goal is to get to a point where the infrastructure is there, that this is our gas product and everyone's using it. One thing we did talk about, I think it was four or five months ago, in addition to, yeah, some of these obviously savings and grants is CMHC or some of the other insurers. So there's like three insurers when you do your mortgage, if it's an insured mortgage product, they'll pay for a portion of your premium that you have to pay for the insurance if your house meets a certain step code. I think it was within the last two years and moving forward. So yeah, if anyone's purchased a house or built a house and it's insured and you paid for that CMHC insurance, I think it's a 50% rebate. I think it's in tiers. Yeah. It's okay. a 15 at 25 and then I think 40 or 50. Okay. I haven't seen a long time, so it may not be. Yeah. Yeah. I know someone gave a presentation on it yeah. a while back. You actually talked about that. Yeah. It was pretty amazing how it's just not known about though. And so when I asked the presenter who was representing CMHC, I was like, how does nobody know about this? Like, well, you know, we're kind of emailing like a couple contacts here and then like, you should just be mass marketing this. But obviously, you know, they're going to lose money on it. So a lot of it to me seems, <laughs> hey, look at us. We're trying to do such a great thing. But are the funds really being deployed? Like it's such a hard thing to police to say, give out a $40,000 interest-free loan to do a heat pump. And it costs $20,000 to do the heat pump. Do they get to keep the other 20000 no, I think everything's accounted for. Okay. Like everything above that loan that you want to apply for has to be in the report that the energy advisor actually recommended. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's only on what you've actually done, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What excites you moving forward, I guess, with the rest of the kind of industry for efficiency, energy, like what's kind of a major project in Kelowna or any developers that are doing that excites you? Oh, you know what? There's a lot going on here. I would say the Okanagan is a really one of the most dynamic and progressive center for construction. Amazing builders here, some amazing products, some amazing, beautiful homes. And you know, also the multifamily kind of community planning too. So, you know, we have a net zero, full net zero, 35 unit single family home development going into Lake Country. 
that's really cool. Full net zero with panels and everything. So, you know, it's just adopting cool. it at the community level is getting to be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But there's lots going on. We have these custom projects. What excites me is that they're open to seeing, okay, what can we do with this project? Yeah. How far can we take it? You know, how efficient can we get? You know, I want to concentrate on greenhouse gas emissions and, you know, whatever technology is available out there. So yep. it really is a clean slate from the get-go. So yeah. that's really cool. Cool. That is cool. We got to get you to work in my house pretty soon here. And Matt's got to run off. So we'll wrap up for a few short questions we have if you get a second. If you could purchase one property in the Okanagan in the next year, recreational investment could be anywhere, what would you buy? I would buy lots A to build multifamily quadplex type nice. infill. That yep. is really something that is on the forefront of the city of Kelowna's agenda for one. And they're just naturally a more efficient building. Yeah. Amazing stuff lots these days in their own personal spaces and the garages in the back that have, yeah. you know, another living space above it. Like we're kind of in here right now. So yeah. Yeah. That'd be my own way to go for sure. Yeah. Cool. That is cool. All right. What's your favorite activity to do in Kelowna? Well, I'm from Winnipeg originally, so it's kind of flat there. So while living there, you know, <laughs> always dreaming of mountains, coming and skiing in Lake Louise and what have you every year. Yeah. So yeah, moving here, a huge part of that was the fact that we do have a ski hill here. Yeah. Yeah, very much involved to do volunteer ski patrol up at Big White. Nice. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, anything, you know, even the mountain biking side of it too. But more recently, traded my mountain bike for a trail dirt bike, and we're doing some trail riding with that, which is really, really cool. So yeah, that's about it. That's awesome. Was the mountain biking at Big White you were doing, or just trails around here? At Big White and yeah. here as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is it pretty good in the summer there? Like, I've never gone, but I just heard comparably between Silver Star and Big White, Silver Star seems to be more. They're yeah. more established. Yeah. Big White is just recently, I think it'll be year six. Oh, is that starting? Okay. So, and they're expanding. You know, yeah. There's lots more. I, you know, I haven't talked to them in a while about that operation, but yeah, no, they have some great ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Okay. How can our listener connect with you, support you, some and look you up on your website and kind Absolutely. of follow you there? Yeah. 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 Totalhome.ca, T-O-T-A-L-H-O-M-E.ca. Okay. Right on. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. I mean, like I said, it's information we all hear about, but it's hard to kind of sift through everything. So very much so. letting us pick your brain. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast. Be sure to reach out and let us know how else we can add value to your Kelowna real estate journey. Please show some support by hitting the like, share, and subscribe button. This is sponsored by Matt Glenn Real Estate and Taylor Adventure Mortgages.